Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Show where intimacy is real. Hey, Dr. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I had two crowns this week. Oh my God. Two and crowns in one top? week. And one yes. of them's my front. <laughs> well, it so, looks yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Yes, yes. So, uh, you feeling okay and everything? Yeah, everything's great. I mean, you know, it's not fun going to the dentist, but I'm one of those crazy people that love it. Do you know what, Dr. April? He removed the crown that had been there for 37 years. I had a front tooth crown for 37 years. I haven't had anything for 37 years. Nothing. Okay. But that thing wouldn't leave me. <laughs> so it was a relationship that just, yeah. Yeah. It broke yeah. up. Yeah, broke up. But it did a good 37 years, which is. It did, right? Which is amazing. Good, good. Yeah. How are you yeah. doing? I'm doing good. Yes, yes. Um, one great thing is that. um course you know I've been doing this series of intimacy books oh yeah because intimacy for me it's really the thing that I feel like it's my calling the more intimate we are the more connected we are to self-spirit and um, significant others the better our mental health is so we have the first one of course self and spirit and then recently I did one um, that is just particularly about self-intimacy, which is really, really um, important. You know, it's connecting with ourselves. And then the last, the third one just came out and it's everyday expression. Everyday expression. You know, I haven't gotten, I haven't read that yet. That's on Amazon, right? Yes. Yes. So all three books are on Amazon now and two of them are on Audible. And so we're working toward that, which is, which is great. That is wonderful because those mess, those messages can go out all over. Do you know what? Congratulations, Dr. April, on having the Bringing Intimacy Back show in the top 50 on relationship, top 50 in Apple podcast and relationship podcast. Yes, yes, it's been, and for our guest, uh, you'll be here shortly, but Christian Della Huerta, did I say that right? (laughs) Yeah, you do better than I do. (laughs) Yeah. Delaware, I forgot what he said to put at the end. No, it's Delaware with a test. So it's Christian. Oh, yeah, right on. Delaware. (laughs) You got it. But uh, you'll know this is the 10th year, the 11th year that the Bringing Intimacy Back show has been here. So it's no surprise that you're up there in Apple podcast, Dr. April. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. And one thing about bringing intimacy back, it is a nonprofit. And we also highlight other nonprofits. And so if you're interested in donating to bring an intimacy back, you can, of course, go into our website. But the nonprofit for this month, which I'm so excited about, is our mother's home. Um, Our mother homes is a place here in Southwest Florida that helps out teenage moms. And I spent the summer with these teenage moms. And it was just amazing. I remember being a young mom, how you just sometimes don't know what to do, how to do. But this organization brings you in, puts you with others. You get to stay there and stuff. So definitely check it out. It's called Our Mother's Home. And guess what? In October, they have an event called Women on the Rise that I'm being the keynote speaker of that I'll talk more about. Yes. Yeah, I look forward to hearing that. That's exciting to be a keynote. Well, my first time ever, so. (laughs) Oh, you'll do fabulous because it's all about your message and you certainly have that. Yes, yes. But you know who has a powerful message? Who? Uh, our guest today. Yes, yes. Kristen he, Della Huerta? Yes, yes. Awesome. Yes. And guess what he's talking about? Intimacy? Intimacy. But intimacy with you, a super you, creating a powerful self. Welcome, Christian. He's awakening the soul, you know, and really um, <laughs> our soul. That's where the intimacy lies. And everything. That's right. 
the innermost parts of our heart. Yes. Welcome, Christian, to the stage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Dr. April and Dr. Kelly. And congrats on the new book and the new crowns and the new keynotes and the new everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, Christian, just to give you guys some background information, he has over 30 years of experience. So, which is amazing. I mean, you, wait a minute. You look like 35. I'm a little older than I look. (laughs) Yes, yes. And he's a sought after spiritual, personal transformation coach, leading voice, and what we call the breathwork community. Um, Just a little side note, I recently came back from Costa Rica and we did this yoga and a lot of breathwork. And what he's going to talk about, about the breathwork, it's just amazing and how that can be healing through our soul and even through our body. Okay, go back to Christian. And, and not only healing, but it actually has a youthing effect. That's one of the reasons that, that I'm in good shape, that I'm holding up all right. It's all that breathing. Yeah, that's why you look like 35. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's traveled um, all over the world, transforming retreats, psychological, spiritual. I mean, he's an award-winning author and a TED TED, um, he goes, he's been on TED, TED Talks, I guess, right? On the TED yeah. Talks, yes. Yeah. Yes, and his book, Awakening the Soul of Power, was described by Gloria Estefan. Yes, she read the book. Yes, amazing. Yes, yes. Yes, and she described it as a bomb for the soul of anyone searching for true and answers to life's difficult questions. Well, we have some questions for you today. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that amazing, that endorsement from, from one of our South Florida neighbors, Dr. April? Yes, yeah, definitely. Are you in Florida too? Right now I'm in Miami, in Coconut Grove. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I have family in, in uh, Miami, in Coconut Grove. So that is welcome. That is amazing. Well, one of the first questions, because this show is about intimacy. And so we like to figure out and I'd like to know from the audience, how do you define Intimacy. Well, I, th- I like the way that you were framing it earlier, um, that intimacy is, is a, ultimately about a relationship to ourselves, right. to ourselves. And, and intimacy is, you know, it's when we can be with another, where we can be with ourselves in, in just the most authentic, most real self without having to hide, without having to put on a mask or having to to act differently than we actually are. So we just get to be ourselves in the most intimate, in the mo- in the deepest ways. Amazing. Yeah. Um, another thing that I was thinking that before we really get into the power of your book, you say the soul and some people um, don't know what the soul is, you know? Because people think of a variety of things. So how would you define that? Yeah, and that's one of those questions that I don't think, I don't know. I don't know that any of us can really ultimately answer uh, because it is in the realm that's beyond words and beyond understanding, beyond logic. But here's how I think of it. Like, if, even if we go by, by Western religions that claim that God is everywhere, that the sacred is, is omnipresent, then, well, that not means much to the surprise of some humans that it's also in us and that it's expressing itself through us or as, as part of us. And so, you know, to me, that's what the soul is. The soul is our own piece of sacred real estate. It's how that you know, like, I, I don't believe in abominations, but if I were to believe in abomination, it would be the externalization of the sacred. Like somewhere along the way, we put heaven and we put the sacred away from us. Like, where, and where the hell is heaven anyway? How much further could we have placed it away from us? And then then, then we have this, especially in the West, this artificial split between this, the physical and the spiritual. And, and so everything that's of the physical, we made less than. We made something to be conquered, to be subjugated to be controlled. So no wonder we treat the planet the way that we do. And and then the body on top of that was animalized. Sexuality was demonized. So no wonder we have sexual issues as as a species, if we're going to talk about intimacy. (laughs) Yes. 
So how did you even get in, involved in working with the soul or, or in, in breath work? How did you get involved in that? You know, I was, um, I come from the, from the psychotherapy tradition. My dad was a psychiatrist, my degrees in psychology, and I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology until I discovered breath work. And, and then I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD. And, and the reason for that is that it works so fast and, and heals so profoundly at so many levels, including physically, by the way. And, and, and I don't know anything more effective in terms of healing past trauma uh, and, and like emotionally, uh, mentally. Um, and, and it just works and it works really fast. And with all due respect to the psychotherapy tradition in the right hands, um, as you know, with, with clear goals, um, it can be incredibly supportive and, and life-changing. And we also know that you can sit on somebody's couch for years at a time and nothing happens. And the reason for that, the reason it can fall short is that that trauma that, that, you know, no longer lives in the head. It li- it's no longer in the mind. That trauma has now been somaticized and lives in the body. So no amount of talking about it is really going to get to it. So I actually work with a lot of therapists who send people to me when they have a client who, who plateaus, who, you know, who is kind of stuck. Um, and sometimes even just the sessions enough to, um, you know, unstuck them um, and, and to, energize that that their process of psychotherapy because it it's it, the, the breath bypasses the mind and it goes to the source of the trauma where it now lives in the body and it clears it and and i know i realize that this sounds too good to be true that so much healing can happen just from breathing uh, but you know what? To, to the logical part of me, to the scientific part of my mind, it's still like even 30 years later, it still sounds too good to be true. But I can't argue with the results. It works. And, and I, in my case, my very first session, I knew that I would never be the same. And I wasn't. My life took a whole other uh, direction. And, and you know, for the last three decades, I've been traveling the world and, and offering breathwork um, you know, with all sorts of people. The last couple of years before the pandemic, I was going to China three, four times a year and working with like really high level corporate leaders and tech leaders and millionaires and billionaires. And um, it it works and and it works fast. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to take a short break, but when we get back, I really want to, for you to define exactly what breath work is, because I think some people are thinking it's... (laughs) And also to share, because you even just said 30 years ago, you had the experience of your first session. Yeah. Yes. And how that just transformed your life to this wonderful book that you have called Awakening the Soul of Power. We'll be back in a moment. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the Vacation Counseling, Please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on Vacation Counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy, and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, Vacation Counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. Well, we have a wonderful speaker, Christian Della. Della Huerta, <laughs> from, um, he's created the book, Awakening the Soul of Power, and he specialized in this breath work. Yes. 
So can you explain to us what that really means and how it transformed your life from, from your first session? Uh, yeah, you know, breathwork is kind of a, a broad umbrella term. There's a lot of different breathing practices and breathing techniques. Some are for relaxation, for stress management. Some are great for like focus and, and energizing yourself so that you can not have to reach for the coffee cup after lunch. Um, and so, but the, this particular kind of uh, breathing practice, what what I mean by breathwork is you do it longer. You breathe in a circular, connected way for about an hour, an hour and a half. Some some you know, some techniques go longer. They go like three, four hours. Um, and, you know, it's, it's amazing how, how powerfully it works. Uh, not only do, does it heal in the ways that I was talking about, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, but it can provide some of the most amazing spiritual experiences that I've ever had. And that's one of the ways in which it changed my life in that, I had a, it had what you know what they call uh, what's called a unitary experience is that that sense of feeling at one with a feeling connected to all of creation and you know it's the type of thing that I'd read about um, but I'd, I've never experienced in my own body and and that made all the difference look at that shifts um, it, it shifted the way that I that I thought about myself and the way that I thought about all of creation. And I was never the same after that. Is it part of like being still like the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. So yes, it's hard yeah. for us uh, specifically in our culture to be still. Um, so do you think in part that it's also about being still and focusing on, is it regarding centering? It, it takes you to that place. Like I've had a lot of people tell me, you know, people, you know, they say I've been sitting on a meditation cushion for 10, 20, 30 years to have that moment of no mind, that place of stillness that you talk about. That tends to happen towards the end. The beginning can be very cathartic. You know, it can be powerful. People have emo powerful emotional releases. People, um, you know, recover memories from, from childhood, stuff that, that was suppressed and repressed and, 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 and that's how it works, because what used to be spiritual teaching, that everything is energy, now we know from, from physics, from quantum physics, that it's true, everything is energy. That means our bodies are energy, even though they might feel solid, or emotions are energy. We know from physics that energy cannot be destroyed. So just because at many points in our lives, we emotions came up and we didn't feel safe, we didn't feel comfortable dealing with them, expressing them, or in some cases, even feeling them. So we suppress them, we stuff them. We don't allow ourselves to feel them or to communicate them. Well, all those suppressed emotions, they just don't go away. You can't sweep them under the rug, as you, as, as you know. So what happens is they get stuck. In, in the tissues of our bodies. And after years and decades of suppressing our emotions, we walk around with layers upon layers upon layers of repressed emotional crap. And, and here we are trying to have a relationship in the present moment. And all of it is getting filtered through that lifetime of unhealed past trauma and repressed emotions. Like how any relationships work boggles my mind because we haven't been taught how to approach them. We haven't been taught um, how to hold them, how to contextualize them. And, and we certainly haven't been taught how to clear you know, the, the emotional repressed uh, cauldron of emotions that we walk around with. And so the simple, and, and then what happens too is like we repress, we repress, we repress. And then the next unfortunate one comes and rubs us the wrong way and boom, volcano, volcanic eruption. Um, and we cause harm to our relationships, sometimes irreparably. Or we repress, we repress, we suppress, we swallow those emotions. Those energies have to come out. So what happens is they start seeping out and they start showing up as physical symptoms, heart attacks, cancer, ulcers. So really important that, that we get to feed, that we learn how to feel our emotions, that we learn how to communicate them. Um, and because we've also, at somewhere along the way, we label the emotions weakness, especially for men. Like, you know, little boys don't cry since we were kids. And why? Because only little girls cry. And, and because that means that, that, that the little girls are weak because they have emotions. It's like, what a twisted misunderstanding. It's like, first of all, the emotions are neither strength nor weakness. They're just energy. Right. And whether how we express them depends, depending on how we express them, is they have a good or a not so good effect. 
And, and, and also the other misunderstanding is that, that the feminine is weakness. It's like, come on, really? You want to talk, you want to talk courage. You want to talk strength. You want to talk power. Let's talk about the, the power of creation that resides in the female body. Yeah. When you said that, you know, what that means that women are weak. I was like, they haven't met my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Who is one of the most powerful influences in your life? Well, going from, from your, your theme to mine is like my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nine kids in 12 years, no twins. Um, wow. All of us conceived in Cuba. So we raised under you know, communism for the first 10 years of my life. Mm-hmm. And, and my parents were involved in counter-revolutionary activities. So they were actually conspiring um, against the, the dictatorial uh, totalitarian regime of the Castros in, 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 in cahoots with the CIA. Um, and most of their friends were either shot and they went to the firing squad or they spent 20 years in jail. So, and then we left Cuba and you know, I'm like suddenly like without coming to the States, without speaking the language. And now you got to feed and support and educate and clothe um, nine kids. And, and I can't even begin to imagine, you know, the, the, the sacrifices that, that, that both she and my dad made. Um, and, you know, like how many times they had to put their own desires, their own preferences on hold because some kid needed something or other. Um, and so, so I really honor them. And, and the other thing that I'm really grateful for my mom, and, and that's a, it's a poignant issue for me now because um, she's beginning to develop, um, a, a, you know, dementia. Yeah. And, and her life force is beginning to fade. Um, and and, and so, so, yeah, but, but from her, I learned unconditional love. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, even when you said, um, that you experienced so much from this work, I'm assuming even as a young child, being an immigrant, even going through that experience of coming over here and all the other stuff that you had some trauma or unpressed memories and was that able to be released or that you were able to bring to the forefront in the things that were stuck in your body yes yeah 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 like so i i can speak i speak about all this stuff from personal experience (laughs) it's that stuff i read in a book or picked up in a weekend seminar i did pick up a lot of wisdom and, and practical stuff from from both books and seminars but what i teach and what i write about is stuff that i live um and so yes i mean not only the trauma of of early childhood and, and born, which we all go through, right? right? And, and that, that trauma of adolescence, um, you know, of, of, of I'm going through that struggle of uh, dependence versus individuation, um, you know, and in my case, also the, tra- the, the, the trauma of leaving family in Cuba and leaving everything in Cuba and then coming to the, to the States without speaking a language, feeling so different. Um, you know, sometimes I, I think that, uh, I, I came here to learn how to be different and how to how to be the other because in Cuba, once you applied for permission to leave, to get a visa to leave the country, you were labeled gusano, which means worm. And oh and gosh, I did not know that. I know. And and I remember I remember being a kid, I must have been in third grade. Oh, and my sister and I used to be at the top of the class. We were good students until they found out that we were had applied for permission, and then like no more no more cookies at break, um, and they called us gusanos, no more awards, and and so then we come to the states, and I've, I'm the only speaking Spanish speaking in my class in the middle of this town in Georgia, a little town in the middle of Georgia. Oh, so you guys didn't even come to Miami? Not at first. We oh. went to Georgia, a little town called Milledgeville that had a a psychiatric hospital is known for its psychiatric hospital. And that was one of the few places where the Cuban shrinks could practice while they were getting their licenses here. But, you know, it's like, as you can imagine, I guess what, 40 years ago, no longer than that. They didn't take very kindly to foreigners. Right, right. Um, In Georgia, they didn't even welcome me. And I was from Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) There you you go. Just in time for puberty. (laughs) I know. And add to, add to that, sexual abuse right around that time oh my god so so you know it's like 
And then, you know, what like, like kids do, like mastered, not master, but got pretty good at English so that I would fit in. And, and because we have that, this strong need to, uh, to belong. And, but to the degree, degree that I started rejecting parts of, of my own being, like re- trying to, re- to, to deny that I was, that I, that I was Cuban, that I came, that I had my, my Latino heritage. Um, and, and then we moved to Miami where I went to high school. And my high school was like 99% Cuban American. So now I stand out again because I sound like a Georgia peach. (laughs) (laughs) And not to mention the unmentionable, which which I already knew that I was gay. I knew at a young age that I was gay. So, you know, and, and I was raised in a very Catholic environment. So my whole adolescence was one long depression as I struggled with and tried to reconcile, you know, this part of me that wanted to serve the sacred, that wanted to, to serve God as I understood it then. Um, and, and with this intrinsic part of who I am and, and trying to find a, a way, a space for myself in a religion that told me that I was going to burn in hell for eternity. So my, my adolescence was one long depression with, with suicidal fantasies, but here's the power of this work both the breath work and the, and the teachings that, that I write about. Um, it's like these days, flash forward, no matter the details of my life, no matter the circumstances, a relationship works out or it doesn't. A project succeeds or it fails in quotes. Never, ever, ever do I question my sense of self, my, my self-worth, my, my self-acceptance, my self-love is firm and unshakable. Uh, no matter what happens. And, and so that I know that if that can happen in my case, it can happen in anybody's case. And that all that stuff that happened to us as kids and, and as adolescents and, and growing up and living life uh, at whatever age, that all that stuff can be healed and it can be transcended. Oh, I love this. I love this. <laughs> you know, um, Christian, uh, a book that you could write based on what you just said, Unshakable. Oh, I like that. I, mean, I like that. It sounds like a movie. Your life sounds like a movie. I'm so grateful to have met you and that you are so open and that your work, I am sure, is helping so many people. Truly, yeah. I'm inspired. Thank you so much for saying that. That's very touching. I don't know about a movie. <laughs> I don't think it's well, that. I mean, that well, sounds a little bit too much. Okay, well, write the book and somebody else can do the movie. <laughs> Keep writing. What you're saying is so inspiring. Mm-hmm. honesty and authenticity i mean i have tears in my eyes truly. oh my god thank you thank you i mean Dr. i Kelly. truly am overwhelmed thank you so much that that is so meaningful um and, and it's meaningful be- because you know i'm basically introverted which which means that i i need my time alone that's how i re-energize or rejuvenate um and so for me to 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 be in the public eye, I do it because of my sense of mission, because I know that what I what I live and what I write about and what I teach makes a difference in, in real human lives with with permanent effects. Uh, so so when either my writing or my teaching is is acknowledged, it, it touches me in, in, in a deep way. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yes. And I'm assuming oh, just even reading from the stuff on your website and learning more about you. Um, this process and this treatment is something that you would have to do daily to. No, no. no. You mean the breath work? No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Really? You know, the, really, really. Uh, in fact, I don't recommend that it's done daily because it's really powerful. The most I ever did it was for two weeks every day. By the end of the two weeks, I was in a, in a good place. And I was kind of in a la-la place, but it was hard to function. It was hard to get stuff done because I was, I was kind of spacey. So once a week, I would say some people do it once a month. Some people, you know, do it less than that. It's, it's really powerful and it has cumulative effect. Seems to me like it may be a form of regression. You know, uh, because I, you go to that place, like where you feel these emotions. Describe it. It's, it's, well, some people have that kind of experience. Like some people will relive because as the, the trauma that is stored in the body, when we breathe in the circular connected way, it, it gets dislodged from the body. So as it's getting released from the body, people can have memories and it and it's, can be very vivid. It's like reliving something. Um, and, and the safety clause is that we, we only what we're ready to look at and deal with comes up. 
Um, if we're not ready to look at it or, or deal with anything, it's not going to come up. So in that sense, I guess you could say that it's, that it, it is kind of like regression in that, in that you relive something. Some people, honestly, some people have memories of previous lifetimes and stuff like that. Um, people also have, you know, just amazing experiences of, of communicating. Like I just did one last night for somebody whose, whose boyfriend, um, just took his life last week. Mm. And she came over for, for a session. And, and in that experience, she communicated with him. She felt him um, and, and got to a really place of, of profound healing and understanding and, and, and forgiveness, right? Because she was doing that self-inflicted number on herself about what else could I have done? How could I not have seen this? Um, and so she was able to get to a, a really deep place of, of peace and acceptance and resolution. Um, and, um, and some people have not only experiences with loved ones who have passed, but they have, you know, visitations from either angels or, or the Buddha or Mother Mary or, or Jesus is like, or, or Ganesh, you know, different aspects of the divine that people have connections um, and experiences of. So it's really, it's hard to describe and, and it's amazing how it works. Wow. I did not know because I had someone on the show last week about connecting with um, past loved ones. So I did not realize that your, um, oh, this breath work helps you to connect with past loved ones. And um, from what I've seen that you do the one-on-one sessions and then you do these group sessions and there's the book. If someone's like listening and like, how do they get started? I mean. Yeah, I'm not doing the groups now because because of the pandemic. Right. Right. Because it's I, I guess I am doing them, but one on one and, and okay. you know, with people who have been vetted, um, who are either vaccinated or they've, right. they've done the test the day of. Um, are you doing it virtually also or no? Virtually, very selectively, only with people that I've worked with or people who come referred by a therapist, okay. uh, because powerful stuff happens. It's like really cathartic. So I, I need to feel safe that if something comes up for them, they are going to be able to handle it or they have the support system right there. Um, otherwise, I won't do it virtually. Um, yeah. I have a question. Sure. Um, I instead of connecting with past loved ones, uh, early on when you were talking, I thought about I would like to connect with myself. Yes. Here's the thing. I meet a lot of lonely people. And I have a strong faith. But on my lonely days, I connect with my faith. But I'm quite certain also, if I have a better relationship with myself, then I'll enjoy my time with myself a lot more. Yeah. So is that something that um, would also benefit for people that are listening and they just have a sense of loneliness? Oh my um, God. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and, and like Dr. April was saying in the beginning uh, of our conversations, like intimacy begins with that relationship. That is the primary relationship is with ourselves. And, and, and from that, all the other ones, you know, are impacted. So absolutely. Um, and, and that's what it did for me. You know, the level of self-acceptance, uh, self-awareness, self-knowledge um, was very much uh, supported by the breath work and by understanding what the ego mind is, which is what I explained in the, in the first part of the book. Um, so, so, yeah, Dr. April asked me to, to talk a little bit about the book and, and how people could find out about it and what the first step is. I would say first step, read the book. Right, because the book is will walk you by the hand, understanding the mind and understanding why we do the things we do. Like, why do we sabotage ourselves? Why do we get caught in these relationship patterns that sometimes feel like we're in the same boring old movie, just with a different lead actor? Right, but it's the same patterns, the same crap, the same issues, the same stuff. So at some point, we got to get honest and realize that there is one common denominator in every one of those relationships. Every one of those arguments, every one of those upsets, and, and every one of those conflicts. And so at some point, we got to turn that mirror within and look at ourselves and ask ourselves, why do we do the things we do? Why do we attract a certain kind of person? Why do I keep recreating these same old boring patterns in my relationships? And so the book is designed 
with very with short chapters and with power practices at the at the end of each and the reason for that is because i know how busy we all are and 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 how how many distractions and and what an add society we we are so if 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 they'll do like one chapter a week and then do the practices because those are designed to to apply the teachings so that it doesn't stay at the level of information, so that we integrate them into our lives. Because we don't need more information. We got information overload. What we need is transformation. And that's what those teachings are designed to do. And so that's the first part of the book. The rest of the book is understanding why we get stuck in power struggles. And, and the thing is that most of us have an ambivalent, conflicted relationship to power. Like part of us wants it and part of us is terrified of it. And I think what we're afraid might happen if we really stepped into all of who we are, uh, that other people wouldn't be able to handle it and that we might end up rejected and alone. We also fear that we might abuse it. And no wonder. All we got to do is turn on the news any given day to witness at least one abuse of power. And then we've also been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing and, and that power is harmful uh, and that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And so what good hearted person wants to be corrupted? But what they didn't tell us is that that quote from Lord Acton um, was specifically referring to political power, not personal power. Mm-hmm. So combine all that with the with the what we, we, we were talking about before about the making the emotions weakness and we were afraid of our emotions. We run away from conflict. You put all that into a mix. What happens is that we give our power away. We sell out. We play small. And 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 our innate inherent power that nobody can give to us. Nobody can take it away. We are the only ones that can give it away. And the tragic part, the lame part, is that we give it away for an illusion of security. We settle for less, for for a false sense of acceptance. We play small. We say yes when inside we feel no for for morsels, for crumbs of pseudo-love. And, and so it's not an effective strategy. And then what the book guides the, the, the reader through is like, how do we step into power in a different way? How do we step into power in a way that's not about fear, hierarchy, control, force, domination, manipulation? How do we step into power in a way that doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them, put our knee to their neck in order for us to prop ourselves up and feel powerful? How do we do that in a way that is congruent, that is a match for who we are in our inherent good selves in our hearts. Wow, wow that was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of, I'm kind of starstruck. You know, we're going to have another, um, another commercial break right now, and then we'll have some questions from our listeners. Oh, beautiful. For you, Christian Della Huerta. Oh, beautiful is that? We'll take a break now. We'll be back. If you're listening, you have a pulse. If you have a pulse, you have stress. If you have stress, you should get a therapist. How do you find a therapist? You go online, type in therapist near me. Then you find a list of letters. LMHC, LPC, NCC. Ugh, how can you navigate and understand all this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in supporting people who suffer from stress, anxiety, burnout, and more. You can have help today. DrKellyBoucher.com Welcome back to the Bring in Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So we've been talking about awakening the soul of power. And Christian, you just went into this whole um, element of informing us how important it is to be okay with ourselves and okay with power. And I was thinking as I was listening to this, um, some people feel like, oh my gosh, even from a religious perspective, I can't think about myself. That means I'm selfish and this or that. Or like you said, they're scared of power. It's like, oh my gosh, if I'm powerful as a female and call a certain name, or even if I'm powerful as a male, yes, I'm stepping on someone else's toes. Yeah. Um, One question that I do have is how do you know when it's time for you to look within? That's a great question. And let, and let me 
I mean, I think it's always time. Like <laughs> that, that is like the first thing we should be taught how to do um, as kids, rather than be taught how to get into college, or in addition to be taught how to get into college, like we should be being taught like understanding the mind, mindfulness practices, yoga, meditation, how to, how to approach ourselves in life. Um, and but I also want to address what, what you just said, uh, because I do believe that women have another layer of this. Um, and, and this, we have a false understanding and misunderstanding of what humility is. So we've, we've been kind of conditioned to believe like, oh my God, no, if I, if I really, bead all of who I am, like, who do I think I am? And how, how dare I, how arrogant, whereas the way that I think about it is like, if, you know, call it God given qualities, you know, like there, each one of us is completely unique. Like there isn't anyone else in this universe or any other universe who has the same genetics, who has the same qualities, the same experiences that make each one of us unique. So if we don't give expression to that, ain't nobody else going to do it. So for me, it's the, that's the arrogance Right. It, it's it's stuffing ourselves is acting small is acting as as we are less than we actually are like giving away our powers like how dare we how dare we play small with with the gifts that we were given and, and so for me that the 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 like if i got to add another commandment it would be you know, like that shall express yourself fully and, and, and express your, your, your full unique potential to the best of your capacity. Because in doing that, you're celebrating God, you're celebrating creation. Um, because again, nobody else is going to do it in your same way. And, and, and uh, so, so to me, that's the arrogance. It's like, how dare we, especially in these times, in these critical, dramatic times, you know, you could say we're make it or break it time. The planet will be fine, right? The planet, it might take a few million years, but life will continue in some form. Consciousness will continue evolving in some form. Maybe it turns out to be an intelligent, enlightened cockroach planet. Who knows, right? Whether, whether we make it, hmm, right? That's, that's what we're beginning to witness now. Like, like with all these storms and all these um, f- fires and just like we're just beginning to, um, to witness what we have unleashed on the environment. And so when I look at it from that perspective and, and, and what's writing on this, and so if there's anybody listening to this uh, who, who has had the slightest suspicion that they have work to do, as teachers, as healers, as activists for change to support the spiritual awakening that is also happening at the same time. It's like, this is it. This is the time that we've been waiting for. And, and I'm sorry, but we don't have a whole lot of time left over for more certifications and more degrees. Get them if you want to, but don't use that as an excuse for not stepping into doing your work. It's like, it's all hands on deck. It's a personal journey. It's your work. It's, it's risky. It's scary, but do it. You're worth yes. it. Yes. Yes, indeed. You're worth it. You did it, Christian. Yeah. You know, take a compliment, right? Like I call it having an honest inventory. Like mm-hmm. be honest about your strengths and giftedness. I mean, look at the people in this room right now. Dr. April's a rock star. She has three books now. And look at yours is endorsed by Gloria Estefan. You know, yeah. we have three people that are amazing beings on our journey. And it's not selfish to promote something that's going to help other people. You guys are inspiring. So what would you say, Christian, to um, our listeners that say, I'm afraid to do the work? I'm, it's scary to start. Yeah, it is scary. You know, but it's scary to the ego mind, to the ego part of us. And we don't have time to get into what the ego is here. Uh, but here's a quick visual. If you put a baseball in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. And, and the ego is, is our sense of self. It's like our, our persona. Like this is Christian over here. That's Kelly over there. And that's April over there. Uh, and, and so that's what the ego is, is the baseball. Who we are is actually the stadium. And we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all of who we are. Uh, and, and to make really important, critical, consequential choices from its very small, limited, and always fear-based uh, perspective. And, and so 
So yeah, change is scary to the ego because part of the function of the ego is to maintain the status quo, even if that status quo is, is at best comfortable and at worst miserable. It doesn't care. Its job is to keep things the way that they are. So anything that signifies change, it's going to be threatened by. Um, and, and so fear, yeah, it's like we all fear. But here's the, here's the misunderstanding about fear. We think that to be fearless means that we no longer feel fear. And that's not what it means. Fearlessness means that we feel the fear and we override it, we transcend it, and we do it anyway. And, and, and yes, some of the, the, the things like to, to step outside of our, of our comfort zone is scary. Um, but here's what's scarier to me, that, that another year, five years, 30 years will go by and we're still stuck in, in situations, in jobs, maybe even relationships that are sucking the very life force out of us. That's way scarier to me. Yeah, and, and just, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I have a question from the audience. Um, his name is Peter, and Peter is feeling like he's just working, working, working. I just feel stuff. I mean, I'm in a marriage that's been so-so. I've got three kids, and I feel like I'm just going from this nine to five, all this crisis stuff from, you know, what's happening here in the world. How is your book going to really help me at home, at work? increase my money? How is your book going to help? Yeah. And that's a great question, Peter, It'll because it's going to shift everything. It's going to shift the way that you see yourself. It's going to shift your understanding of yourself. Uh, it, you're going to begin to see patterns and understand why you do the things you do, why you sell out on your power, why you settle for less, why you play small, all those things we're talking about. Uh, and so once you understand that, then you can break the patterns. You can choose otherwise. And, and you can choose to step into your power and in a way that is a match for who you are. And so once we start doing that, everything changes like it has to. We're different. Our relationships change, our, our situations change, and we stop selling ourselves short. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is if there's a change within, it has a ripple effect. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's what you started out saying. It's intimacy with self, right? And, and we can't, it, be, it, be, it, starts, it has to start with self-awareness because we can't do anything about what we don't see, what we're not, what we're not aware of. So the first step is self-awareness, and that's what this book begins to do is like help us understand why we do the things we do. Then self-awareness makes self-acceptance possible. We start seeing ourselves from a whole other perspective. And then the next step is self-love and, and, and the type of and, – and I know this. It's like I, I know self-doubt. I know self-hatred. And, and these days, you know, it's like the, the, the journey from self-doubt and self-hatred to self-love and self-acceptance, it's like I lived it. I know. I know how to help somebody walk somebody by the hand through all of that. And it's doable. We can all, we can all do that. We can all free ourselves because nobody else can do it Amazing. for us. Amazing. Thank you so much. So can you um, let everyone know how they can meet your book to get self-awareness? And then the self-acceptance and self-love, which I know you do one-on-one -on -one sessions, how can they get information on, on that as you help them toward action? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that. Um, in terms of the book, it's available wherever books are sold. So you can get it at your, at your local bookstore if you want to support them, and you can get it on Amazon. If, um, and in terms of reaching me, probably the best way is my, 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 uh, my website. From there, they can access my social media. And the website is soulfulpower.com. And for your, for your audience, if they go to my website to soulfulpower.com and get on my email list, um, and we, know, we all know how easy it is to just click unsubscribe if it doesn't work for you down the road. But just for getting on my email list, they'll get a sample chapter of the book, which talks about what it means to live a heroic life in the 21st century. They'll get some of the power practices that we were talking about earlier. And they'll get a, a recorded teaching and guided meditation on trust, which I created specifically to help us through these times of, of chaos and fear and uncertainty. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, just the word uncertainty. It's true. Yeah, and then trust, especially in this um, 2020 and 2021 year. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you have a lot to offer and you've offered our listeners so much. We're so grateful to have had you as a guest on the Bringing Intimacy Back show. Truly. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm honored and uh, thank you for having the show and, and for doing the, your own healing work. I, and I know that in your willingness to do that, not only your work um, personally as healers and, and teachers, but through this podcast, that many, many lives are being touched and helped and impacted. So, so thank you so much for, for that. You're yes, welcome. you are welcome anytime. And uh, for those of you that are listening, um, we talked about having an honest inventory today and to realize that you really are gifted and to be able to take compliments and things and admit your strengths as well as your weaknesses. Currently, the Bringing Intimacy Back show is ranking regionally in the top 50 on Apple for relationship podcasts. So congratulations, Dr. April, out of two million podcasts globally in relationship shows, you're in the top 50 on Apple. And also, hey, going strong in the Bahamas and in the top 200 in the U.S. for relationship podcasts, your hard work is paying off. Okay, thank you. Thank uh, you. Listening, please follow us, subscribe, follow us on your favorite podcast player. You can download, listen, and subscribe. Our upcoming shows are... Uh, Michael O'Brien on cultural intimacy, laying your retirement foundation on September 16th with Jim Magadans and Nikki Nash unlocking your genius September 23rd. Yes. Thank you so much for um, helping me co-host the show, Dr. Kelly. And this has been an awesome show because it talked about so much the importance of each of us looking within and unleashing that power and thank you so much, Christian, in the sense of the soul, because in all honesty, I think if each of us, especially here in America, but in other places, were to do what you said, what a better society we would be living in and being able to, because um, you're also teaching, and I know we only have a few more moments left, but you said the word trust. And I think what your book is, is teaching people is how to be aware and trust ourselves, which of course allows us to trust others which of course you know you can compromise better and all that kind of stuff yeah compromise relationships yes yes thank you so much christian we would love to have you as a guest on the show anytime and this has been the bringing intimacy back show where intimacy is real thank you see you guys next week